The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. A bitter war of words over the crime wave in Chicago is now a bitter legal fight between the city and the Trump administration. Chicago yesterday sued the Trump administration, claiming the Justice Department is unconstitutionally threatening to cut off millions of dollars in federal law enforcement assistance. The Justice Department rules take aim at so-called sanctuary cities for undocumented immigrants, requiring local officials to provide greater cooperation to federal agents or lose their federal funding. At a press conference, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel said that the rules would undermine the city's community policing efforts. Chicago will not let our police officers become political pawns in a debate. Chicago will not let our residents have their fundamental rights isolated and violated. And Chicago will never relinquish our status as a welcoming city. Chicago is not Attorney General Jeff Sessions issued a pointed response, saying in a statement that Chicago needs, quote, a recommitment to the rule of law and to policies that roll back the culture of lawlessness that has beset the city. With me to talk about this new lawsuit and the precedents it might set is Rick Sue. He's a professor at the University of Buffalo School of Law. Rick, thanks for being on the show. Uh, let's uh, tell us the specifics first, the, the conditions that the Justice Department is trying to impose on fu- funds. What, what do they require of the city? So they're imposing uh, two specific conditions. Uh, one is to allow federal officials full access to uh, all the jails and different facilities that the city has. And the second is for the city to give 48 hours notice before releasing anyone that the federal government is interested in. Okay, so back in April, a judge in California issued an injunction that limited what the Trump administration could do in terms of imposing conditions on law enforcement funding. How does this issue, this case, these new conditions fit in with that previous case? So it fits directly into it. Uh, The legal issues involved are exactly the same. Uh, The degree to which the president can impose conditions that aren't directly authorized by Congress uh, and whether the federal government can compel cities to participate in immigration enforcement. What is new about this is that although the prior lawsuit dealt with withdrawing funds uh, or grants that have already been approved, uh, this is a new condition added to one specific grant, and it was just added in July. The grant application is due soon in September, uh, and the city is now uh, directly addressing this particular grant condition. So, so this this grant program, which uh, pays for things like uh, uh, tasers and and uh, I think maybe police cars, um, is only Chicago only gets about two point three million dollars a year. That's what they got last year from the federal government. Um, is that enough money that Chicago can can plausibly claim that it is being somehow coerced by the federal government into agreeing to these conditions? 
Um, so if we were to rely on a previous case law with regard to actual coercion when they're using the power of the purse, it's likely that this wouldn't be sufficient. It's not as large, let's say, as the Medicaid expansion and the amount of penalties that were imposed on that. However, what's interesting about this, targeting this specific grant program, is that the funding formula for the grant program is entirely set by congressional statute. Uh, and Congress didn't say anything about other conditions or the executive having the discretion to impose other conditions. Because of that, what Chicago is specifically arguing is that this particular condition violates what Congress wrote in statute. So it's really a separation of power issue as well between the president and Congress. Is, is that what you think Chicago's strongest argument is, is here, that, the separation of powers as opposed to uh, the, the, the spending clause issue about tying the conditions to the, to the yeah. funds? The, the complaint is primarily focused on that. It spins out into all sorts of different legal issues, but they're essentially saying that the president doesn't have authority. There is one additional condition that is sort of interesting, one argument that they're making. Although the condition only requires them to give 48 hours notice, uh, what Chicago pointed out is because they operate mostly lockdowns, they don't operate county prisons, uh, they often don't hold people for more than 48 hours. Uh, people come in, they get booked, they go before an arraignment, they might get released on bail. If they're required to give 48-hour notice, Chicago's arguing, that requires them to detain people for 48 hours. And that itself may be unconstitutional. The city may not actually have the constitutional power to do so. So they're saying that if they were to follow the conditions, they may be forced to violate the Constitution, which they say would itself be problematic. Is there is there precedent from the Supreme Court uh, for that, that that argument? What's kind of the best? You mentioned the Medicaid case when, when we were talking about uh, the, the unconstitutional restrictions on on, on federal funds, uh, but but that issue about essentially forcing them to do something unconstitutional is, is there a precedent for that? Yeah, so there are sort of two sets of precedents. Uh, more recently, there's been a number of cases actually filed against counties primarily, but also some cities, uh, in which individuals have complied with federal detainers. The federal government made a mistake. They locked up a United States citizen. And these counties ended up becoming liable uh, for the damages uh, because it was ruled that they had no independent power, constitutional power, to hold them. The other set of precedent was actually interesting, and it deals with this whole sanctuary city debate. Um, Interestingly enough, from a partisan perspective, uh, Republicans and conservatives have been very effective in arguing that states and cities cannot be forced to carry out federal programs. It was mostly gun control in the early set of cases. Uh, but those precedent matters just as much here. Immigration is a federal responsibility. It's a federal concern. And what states and cities are arguing is uh, that's your obligation. You can't force us to do your job. Let me ask you sort of a, a factual question. So mm -hmm. there, there have been 417 murders in Chicago this year. Um, and uh, the Trump administration is making the case that uh, illegal immigration is part of the problem, that that is contributing to the, uh, the huge number of murders in Chicago. Uh, have you seen evidence on that one way or another to, to say whether there is a link between uh, Chicago being a sanctuary city and this crime problem? Uh, there's been very little evidence to suggest that, um, and the comprehensive studies that have been done uh, tracking crime rate and uh, sanctuary policies have found uh, very little connections, uh, in fact, some negative connections in that regard as well. I think with these kind of statistical analysis, it's very hard to draw a conclusion, uh, but what I think is clear is that no one really has an answer, and the question is, uh, does the presidential administration know better, or does the city of Chicago? Rick, just about 30 seconds left, but I'm, I'm interested to know whether you see this as being a, a groundbreaking case, a case where other cities might follow with their own lawsuits, a, a case where ultimately it might make it up to the Supreme Court. 
I think in uh, okay, my, my general impression is I think a lot of cities are going to jump on the bandwagon if this starts going forward. In fact, they have. We mentioned the other injunction with regard to penalties that were imposed. The second question, whether it actually get up to the Supreme Court, not clear. Um, on the other hand, it's a very big political issue, and of course, many of those do end up the Supreme Court. Uh, but in other ways, the legal issues they're dealing with aren't necessarily novel. Uh, they are entirely sort of uh, well-trodden. Uh, these are sort of established arguments. Uh, it's not entirely clear they will raise such a complex and novel issue that the Supreme Court may feel compelled to actually take it. Okay, I want to thank our guest, Rick Sue, professor at the University of Buffalo School of Law, talking about Chicago's lawsuit against the Trump administration. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.